This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit, money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit, money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The Money Pit is presented by Dap Spray Texture and Dice Coatings. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on if it's the Halloween decor, we understand, because that's coming up uh, in, well, I guess in my house, about a week. And it's time to get everything out from storage and get it ready to be decorated from the outside and uh, get ready for all those kitties to come and uh, with their demands for candy or they'll leave you with a trick we don't want that to happen. So we got lots of treats around. And if you've got a treat in the way of a home improvement project that you'd like to get done or a decor project or a repair or a model, we would love to help you do just that. You can reach out to us with your questions at one eight 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 money pit or you can go to moneypit.com slash ask. Coming up on today's show, icicles, they can look very pretty hanging from the edge of your roof, but they might signal ice dams with a potential for serious roof leaks with winter on the way. That could very easily happen, so we've got tips on how to make sure it doesn't happen to you. And textured walls and ceilings have been popular for decades. But if you've ever had to make a repair to those textured surfaces, you know that it is messy and time-consuming and just not really a fun part of your project. Well, now there's a way to do this that's super simple. We're going to share that DIY tip just ahead. And if you're getting ready for your first major remodel, congratulations. And we are sure you want everything to go perfectly. But unfortunately... Home improvement and perfect are two words that you don't often hear in the same sentence. So we're going to share tips on how to avoid the hidden surprises that come with that territory. But most importantly, we want to help you create your best home ever. So whether you're doing the job yourself or you're hiring a pro, we are ready to help you get that job done right the first time. Give us a call. Let us know how we can lend a hand. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT or go to moneypit.com slash ask. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? We've got Sandy in Texas on the line who's got a question about texturing drywall. Tell us about your project. Strip the wallpaper in our kitchen, and so it's down to sheetrock, and we'd like to uh, put texture in it, uh, but I'd like to do it as simply as possible. So I've heard that you can put texture into paint, and I'd like some more information about that or what you recommend. That is possible, right, Leslie, to use an additive in paint, but frankly, we usually get the opposite question. Most people call us wanting to take the texture away. So I, so I would say, Sandy, are you really sure you want to do this? <laughs> because once it gets on there, it's hard to make it uh, make it go away. Right, yes. I, I mean, our other walls have some texture. I mean, and it's not a heavy texture. It's just a little bit to make it just not the flat Rock. And it's a texture in the paint, or it's an actual texture within the drywall itself, almost like a stippling? Well, I'd rather not go that route, is the the, the stippling or spackling. Um, I'd like to add 
some texture to the paint just to give the wall something other than the smooth drywall. Well, there's a couple of different techniques that you can use. Um, First, there's something called a linen technique. That's done with almost like a wallpaper brush, sort of a very short stiff bristle that's you know maybe 12 inches to 18 inches wide and you put the paint on and then you sort of drag that brush through and that gives you a linear texture to it and that can kind of look like wallpaper and you can do it with one color or do a base color and then let that dry and then put a thinner coat on top and then drag that line through um you could do something that's almost called a i guess it is actually called a venetian plaster but that involves you know sort of marbling the texture on and and burnishing it and rubbing it and it really is a heavier coat of paint and plaster but that gives a really interesting sort of cloudy textural look that sometimes has a high shine to it um there's a suede texture i think ralph lauren is one of the paints that makes that and that has um it really does look like suede it has that sort of like rub softer matte looking texture to it there's a sanded finish where there's actual sand in the paint sometimes that can feel a little rough almost like a sandpaper but um that gives a nice texture too they all have different application techniques so if i were looking at a paint that has a specific texture in a home center i'd make sure that i really read those directions and looked at what that manufacturer was recommending for the application process and get those correct tools and do the proper prep work for it because some of those those textures are, you know, kind of labor intensive for a DIYer and you want to make sure you get it right. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, I will look into the uh, things you suggested here and make a decision then. I hope that helps you out. It does. Thank you so much. John in Arizona needs some help venting a water heater. Tell us what you're working on. I'm going to install a tankless hot water heater and I'm curious, a gas tankless hot water heater, curious if there's any simple way to vent it on the interior wall of the house. Well, you you obviously have to get that exhaust out. So that means you're going to probably have to go up if we're on the interior wall of the house. You can't downdraft something like that. So you need to be on a space where you can get that vent pipe up through the interior wall, up to the attic, and out through the roof. Now, depending on the efficiency, that may not have to be a metal vent pipe. It could potentially be a plastic vent pipe. But that's going to depend on the efficiency of the water heater and whether or not it's a condensing version, which basically takes as much heat out of that, out of those gases, so all that's left is basically water vapor, and then that can vent out of a plastic pipe. But you do have to have it vented. The other thing that you can do is you can direct vent those, so you could go out, say, through a sidewall. Many times I've seen those you know, mounted on an exterior wall, and they basically turn right through the, the wall and go right out. Now, there are rules about how close that vent termination uh, needs to be, or more accurately, how far away that vent termination needs to be from a, from a window, uh, but you can direct vent those as well. Right. From the top, the top of your head, do you know the uh, smallest diameter I could get away with on venting it? No, I don't know the specification uh, precisely, but I would guess it's around, a th- it's around three inches. I've seen these come through roofs many times. It's usually around a three-inch vent pipe. Right. Okay, well, that answers my question. Thank you. All right, John. Well, good luck with that project. I think you're going to enjoy a lot of efficiencies with the Tackles water heater, in addition to the fact that you'll never run out of hot water. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. 
Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. All right, now we've got Sue on the line who's got some green stuff growing on the roof. What's going on? What size copper flashing to put on the roof to prevent mold buildup? Hey, Sue, so here's some tips to get rid of that green stuff. By the way, it's probably not mold. It's more likely moss that's growing up there. And the more sunlight you get on your roof, uh, the lesser the chance that that's going to be able to take hold. So sunlight is definitely the best uh, algaecide to get rid of moss and anything else that's like it. You mentioned the copper flashing. That is a trick of the trade that we have used from time to time and, and talked about in this show. And basically it works like this. You take a piece of copper flashing and you uh, add it to the very top ridge of the roof. So obviously maybe not you, but a roofer that can go on up there and do that. And the copper flashing will catch the rainwater and then it will release some of its metal as it washes down the roof, as it trickles down the roof. And that will wash and act as a mildicide and also help keep that roof clean. You would need probably a eight inch wide strip of copper on both sides at the peak of the roof to, for this to work. You often will see the effect of this, by the way, if you look at chimneys that have copper flashing that have like clean streaks underneath them, that's because that roof's getting clean by that copper flashing. We can extend it to the entire roof if we add it across the entire peak. Do you love learning about home improvement on our podcast? Well, we love bringing you all the latest tips and tricks. And if you want to make us smile, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. Heading to Bismarck, North Dakota, where it just sounds cold saying that. <laughs> Welcome to the Money Pit, Alan. How can we help you? I've got a pretty good lawn, but it needs some reseeding. Okay. And um, I was told that if you uh, reseed just before the snow falls, it will it will set in there during the winter. And then when the spring comes, it will automatically start to grow and come up without doing a whole lot of other work to it. Is that true? Yeah, pretty much, but not like right before the snow comes. Like 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 the fall is a good season to do that, but but early to mid fall would be the right time. And so the reason you're doing that is because you're giving the lawn more time to grow deep roots, so that by the time next summer comes around, it doesn't get dried out because the roots are shallow. So fall's the right time to be seeding a lawn, definitely. So I would rake the lawn and add some new seed to it. Any time now, September, October are great months to do this, but I would not wait until like when the winter is like on the way because it's just not going to grow. You want to give it a couple of months to really take root uh, before that winter hits, and then it will continue in the early spring, and it will be in good shape by the time the summer comes around. Okay, so now's a good time. And I have a few um, weeds that I'm not sure really what they are, but I've used a little 2,4-D, and that's taken them out. And so they're crispy. Do I need to rake those up and do anything, or can I just seed right over them? If you've just got a few weeds and you pull them out, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd seed right over it right now. And then next spring, you could use a pre-emergent to stop those weeds from coming through. Oh, okay. 
Well, that's great. I thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. I love your show. Great. Thanks for calling us, and good luck with that project. We've got Margaret on the line who wants to talk about lead in a bathroom. Tell us about it. My house was built in 1948. It has an old metal tub and ceramic tiles, but the ceramic tiles have been tested and confirmed to have lead. I was advised that if I ever want to remove them, I should be sure that the contractor who does that is trained and certified on safe removal of tiles containing lead. But when I've asked some local contractors about that, they kind of shrug and don't seem to understand that anything different would be required. Can you suggest some questions for me to ask contractors to help determine if they truly do know and understand how to deal with tiles containing lead and safe removal. Hey, Margaret, you know, we generally don't hear too much about lead paint in uh, in baths or, or in their case in ceramic tiles. The glazing, I know, of some of those older tiles can contain lead. More, more often we'll hear about lead paint in a house of that age. But to your question about how to find a contractor, you need somebody that is EPA certified in lead paint renovation or lead paint removal. That's the type of professional that you would need to hire. And if the contractors you're talking to just kind of shrug their shoulders when you say that, then obviously they're not the right firms. Now, I will say that the risk of uh, lead paint exposure from a tile is probably a lot less than from the paint just because it's harder for it to be released. But another option to consider, which some folks are doing, is that they are recoding the tile with an epoxy finish. Now, you could use a product like Echopel, uh, which is an epoxy tub resurfacer that I recently used and was very pleased with that can coat the tub surface, even coat the tile surface, and give you a really durable surface that will prevent any lead exposure to the surface of the tile. But it all comes down to the risk happening when it's time to remove those tiles. That's when it can get into the air, and that's when you have to basically be set up right to contain that dust and get all that material out and away from the house without exposure to anyone in the area and certainly anyone in the house. So I hope that gives you some direction, some options to follow, and good luck with that project. Well, in just a couple of months, it's going to be winter, you guys. And while snow on your roof and those pretty icicles on the eaves certainly look lovely and wintry and very festive, both could actually mean that you have a problem. Heavy snowfalls followed by those warmer days that often allow ice to dam up along your roof edge where it's going to block melting snow and that can lead to some serious leaks inside your home. Yeah, that's right. And it's much more common in warmer attics because those attics are not properly ventilated. So to prevent this, you need to make sure that your attic does have adequate ventilation with good soffit and ridge ventilation being particularly important. And if you plan to replace your roof, be sure you have a contractor install ice and water shield. Now, that's a product that can be installed under the roof edge, and it goes up under, say, about the first three feet of roof from the edge on up, and it basically provides an extra layer of protection against those ice dams because that's where they form. And if one did try to form and tried to back up right there, it can get under the roof shingles, but it can't get past the ice and water shield, and that will stop it and keep your insides dry. Now, here's an interesting point. If you live in a southern climate, ice and water shield underlayment can actually protect your home from leaks from heavy wind-driven rain, you know, the type that you might get with a hurricane. In that installation, it would cover the entire roof, and then you go and install the shingles right on top of it. 
Yeah, the idea is that when the shingles get blown off in a strong storm, that ice and water shield basically is still attached because it's very sticky in a way. It adheres right to the plywood sheathing, and therefore it's going to protect your home until you can get back to fixing it. And that's just one of the many tricks of the trade that we try to share with you every week here on The Money Pit. So if you've got a question about a problem or an issue with your home, reach out to us right now at moneypit.com slash ask. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mike in Michigan's on the line with a question about installing a whole house fan. What's going on there, Mike? What's your situation? I've, I've got a, a brand picked out it's the uh, tamarack i think that you guys i've seen on uh, this old house videos and um my question is the the location it needs to be installed at a at a central location and at the highest point for that for us that's a a great room it gets warmest includes a kitchen got vaulted ceilings but that, that um that portion um is at an angle of the roof and i'm wondering if if that um, if it's not recommended, I don't have the unit, um, but I'm wondering if it can be installed on an angle or if installing something like that on a kitchen, in a kitchen, is a, is a poor idea. Um, another variable is that next year we'll be doing a kitchen remodel. We don't have a range hood. We just have the microwave version of that, and if, if I should instead get a, a, a proper range hood that exhausts out of the house and then find a different location for the whole house fan 
what is it that you guys suggest? All right, let's break this up into pieces here. So first of all, your question is, where does the whole house fan go? It can't go on a cathedral ceiling, which is what you're describing to us. It has to go uh, on a flat ceiling where there's an attic space above, because in that attic space, you have to have exhaust venting. Basically, it pulls the air from your house up into the attic space. Usually, it goes out through some very large gable vents down the end of the building, because you can't too terribly pressurize that attic space. So it's not going to work in the great room that you've described. I thought maybe you were going to tell me that you had a little bit of an attic above that, but it sounds like you have no no attic. So it's really not designed for that particular type of installation because you have to get plenty of exhaust ventilation in that space or it's not going to work. Now, you do bring up a good point with what's the effect of this whole house fan uh, on a kitchen and other ventilation systems. Um, if you're not careful, you can depressurize the whole house and that can certainly take, the, take not only the kitchen smoke and stuff, take it out through the fans, but it, I've seen it depressurize a house so much that it reverses the draft draft on uh, the heating system, which is, of course, really bad because now you're pulling your combustion gases into the house. So it's the kind of thing that you really need to approach carefully, maybe get some um, expert help to make sure you're not overdoing it and finding the right place for that. But typically, you're going to put that in a second floor hallway or if it's in a ranch, uh, somewhere near the bedrooms. And the way you use that, of course, is you've got to have some windows or doors open in different parts of the house when that fan kicks on so that you're pulling a breeze through. Otherwise, you'll just depressurize the house uh, and that could lead to all sorts of issues. Yeah, that's um, that's fantastically helpful. Um, but so you would not recommend putting it in that area even if i was to open a window you say, you say don't put it in the cathedral ceiling portion of the home depends on how big that attic is if i had a really small attic that was just barely big enough to fit that fan i probably wouldn't do it excellent all right thanks guys i appreciate it thanks so much sir good luck with that project thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit well textured walls and ceilings have been popular for decades and while we don't see this as much in new construction these days There are still millions and millions of homes built in the last 20 or 30 years where popcorn and other textured surfaces were used. But if you've ever had to modify or repair a textured surface, you may have found that it's often a messy and very time-consuming part of the project. Well, DAP now has a new product that offers a simple solution. It's called the 2-in-1 Wall and Ceiling Spray Texture, and it's available for orange peel, knockdown, and popcorn textures. To learn more, we welcome DAP's senior product manager for the new line, Raquel Beckett. Welcome, Raquel. Hi, Tom and Leslie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you today. I tell you, for somebody that has done a fair number of of wall or ceiling repairs when textures were involved, it really is difficult to come up with a surface that matches what you had in the past. And, you know, I think folks don't realize it, but if you get like a a leak, say a roof leak, and you have a textured, say, popcorn ceiling, or if maybe you have to replace an electrical outlet or do some modifications, and now you have to do a patch, and and the wall was textured, you need to figure out how to restore that surface. And it's never been an easy situation, but you guys now have basically put these textures in a spray can, making it a real simple process. So tell us how this all works. Yeah, absolutely. Texture is supposed to help um, actually with the wall imperfections. So it's really disappointing to your point when you have a repair and then you have to really go through a whole arduous process of trying to figure out how to match the texture on your wall. Um, We have come up with a new product now that has a new inner workings with a flexible tubing that basically it's a patented system that allows for spray out consistent with no pressure loss and a wide even spray. 
And that's going to make the repair so much easier for homeowners, uh, not frustrating. They're not going to be battling the product, trying to get something out of the can and spraying randomly in random places. So we feel that we've taken some of the pain points out of the homeowner and addressed them with this particular product. Now, Raquel, I know you guys have sort of created a new technology when it comes to how you actually spray and use the can because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of times we're doing this project on the ceiling and you're holding the can in a weird way or you're kind of upside down and it's not spraying because it's upside down, but you guys have totally gotten rid of that problem. So how does that work? That's correct. It's basically, um, it's this patented tubing that we have put inside the can that allows you for that nozzle to rotate a 60-degree angle. So you are not fighting gravity when you're trying to expel the product out of the can. And again, with that uh, texture nozzle that allows you to pretty much be able to target overhead and hard-to-reach areas. Now, I think the new Simple Texture comes in like three different options, popcorn, knockdown, and orange peel. Now, everybody knows what a popcorn ceiling looks like, what that texture is. But can you kind of explain what orange peel and knockdown is? Because I kind of thought they were the same. (laughs) Absolutely. So orange peel is a texture. It looks like the, uh, uh, basically like the peel of an orange. So another way to describe it is chicken bumps. So, um, it's just, you know, little dots depending on the size of the texture that you get, uh, fine, medium or heavy, you're going to have little dots or larger dots. And that is a pretty common texture that is used, um, for again, hiding imperfections on the wall. Then you get into knockdown. Knockdown is a texture. It's a texture that requires a secondary process. So you're basically going to be spraying onto the wall. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take a putty knife and you're going to go parallel to the wall and basically knock down the texture, which is going to leave you with a much finer texture compared to an orange peel. So an orange peel is going to be very noticeable on your walls, and knockdown is not going to be as noticeable on your walls. But both of them are uh, pretty nice textures to create accent walls or to hide imperfections. And you could use this product for both. You could use it for new construction. Let's say if you're building, um, I don't know, an alcove or some place like that where you want to use texture as a feature. It's available in a can, so it's super easy to, to access. You don't need a lot of equipment here. It's basically just a type of spray can that's been modified to handle the textured products, which are thicker and a lot more complicated than, than moving straight spray paint through a can, right? Yes, yes. It's, it, we're definitely taking some of those pain points uh, from the user. In the past, you could use that using, you know, different vehicles. You could use a dry mix. You could use uh, what is called a a compressor and a hopper gun to try to achieve those textures. Uh, but it is a very arduous process from a setup perspective as well as from a cleanup perspective. So what this particular product allows you to do is quickly get a repair in and out or to your point, you know, a room and be done with it. Not a lot of setup at all and basically no cleanup. What's the drying time on this? Is it something that you have to kind of do the night before and come back the next morning, or is it quicker? No, the dry time is pretty fast. For the water-based formulations, which is going to be pretty much orange peel, knockdown, and popcorn, it's going to be 30 minutes. And we do have an oil-based formulation uh, for the orange peel that dries in five minutes. The product is called the 2-in-1 Wall and Spray Sealing Texture. It's made by DAP. You can learn more at DAP.com, D-A-P.com. Rachel Beckett, Senior Product Manager, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you so much, Tom and Leslie. I really appreciate it.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, heading south to Florida where Dorothy is on the line. What's going on at your money pit? Well, I have engineered flooring, and uh, I want to redo it. It's worn in spots, and uh, nobody seems to be able to tell me what to do with it, how to refinish it. So engineered flooring, Dorothy, is not a product that's designed to be refinished. It's not like hardwood floor where you can sand it because it doesn't have a, a doesn't have as thick of a surface. Engineered flooring is made up of layers. It's more like plywood where you have different types of wood that are glued together and it gives you dimensional stability and it's good for damp locations, but it's not necessarily designed to be refinished. So this may be a case where you need to remove and replace rather than refinish it. Okay. Now, there are a lot of different types of flooring that are available today aside from the engineered hardwood floor. You might want to take a look at the engineered vinyl plank which can look just like wood or many other materials, but it's completely 100% waterproof. And you may even be able to install this on top of the old floor and not have to worry about even taking it up and avoiding the expense and the hassles of having to do a tear-out. Is this engineered hardwood on a cement slab? Yes, it is. Yeah, so it's going to be hard to get up because it's probably glued down. That's how they usually do that. So you, you may want to look at the engineered vinyl plank. Take a look at Lumber Liquidators, or as they go now, their new name is LL Flooring, and look at all the beautiful engineered vinyl planks. I put down two of those floors in, one in a kitchen and one in a laundry room, and they really have worn very, very well, and they're not expensive either. Oh, okay. All right, I'll check that out. Good luck, Dorothy. Thanks for calling us at one eighty eight Money Pit. Thank you so much. Well, if you're getting ready for your first major remodeling project, I'm sure you want everything to go perfectly, but unfortunately, hidden surprises, they are par for the course. But while you can't control everything, good planning definitely gets you as close to perfect as possible. We've got some tips on how to avoid some of the most common remodeling mistakes. Now, top of the list is hiring the wrong general contractor. Having a pro handle the details and provide expertise is going to help your project go smoothly, and a good pro can often spot potential problems before the walls are opened up and prepare you for their impact. So choose carefully, get references from recent, as well as customers the pro has worked for a year or two or more ago, and use services like Angie to see real reviews and get a sense as to how the work has gone for others and stood up over time. Yeah, now here's another no-no, and that's getting estimates without specs. When you get your bid, it helps to have those specifics nailed down. Product names, model numbers, paint colors, design drawings, all of that. Otherwise, you have no idea what that general contractor is planning to include in his price. Plus, there's really no way to do an apples-to-apples comparison between those contractors when everybody's bidding on whatever. Yeah, and lastly, don't change the plan. If you reconfigure the plan during your remodel, that's going to tap your budget and test the patience of your contractor. So take time before that job starts to get every detail nailed down. And as the saying goes, plan your work and then work the plan. Now, if you do have to make changes, make sure 
that you and your contractor sign a change order, which is a statement of what the change is and whether it's going to add or detract from the contract price and by how much. If you do that, you're going to avoid surprises when the job is done and you will be totally satisfied without having any shocking extra costs when you're ready to celebrate the work that was completed. Brian in Delaware is on the line looking for a water softening solution. Tell us what's going on. I have hard water in my house. I need a conditioning system. I don't know a ton about them. I know there's a salt-based systems that have been around forever, and then you research some ionized type systems. I'm not sure which one is the best route to go. So if you've got hard water, that's really tough to live with because it is not good on your clothes. It doesn't feel good on your skin. It always feels like it came out of a saltwater bath when you take a shower. And you can't get the soap off of yourself. Right. It's terrible. Yeah, shampoo and soap, it doesn't suds up, right? So you're right. You are going to need a water softener. And there are two types generally, a salt-type water softener, which is traditional and it's been around for a long time and it works really, really well. Basically, the way a salt-based system works is it uses sodium to reduce the mineral concentrations, and in particular, it gets rid of the calcium and the magnesium that is what could damage your plumbing system or your boiler or your skin or your hair. It's also really bad when you have a tankless system because the tankless tubes are really, really small, and they can get caked up with the hard water. So salt-based systems are good. They're tried and true. There's a misconception that using a salt-based water softener adds sodium to your drinking water. It really doesn't. It's a chemistry thing. Just take my word for it. It doesn't do that. The other option, of course, is salt-free. What that really does is it crystallizes. It doesn't remove those minerals. It crystallizes them so that theoretically they won't be embedded into the water. Uh, the best way to think about it is if you know when you have magnets and you try to touch the positive side against the positive side of another one, it bounces it away. That's kind of what it does. It charges the hard water particles and causes them to repel each other. So you don't have that uh, persistent feeling of the hard water in the water. But in terms of the entire house, generally, I would use those if I had maybe a smaller house. But if I had a whole home and I was dealing with this, I would definitely use a salt-based system. So I think that's the best solution. Mirabelle reached out to Team Money Pit for suggestions on basement flooring. She says we're renovating the basement to provide space for a home office and wondered what option we might have for a floor. We really like hardwood, but we understand that's a no-no because it can swell. What are the best waterproof or damp-proof floor options? Hey, that's a great question. And, and Leslie, I'd, I'd say there's a lot of options today, more so than ever before. I mean, it's not just, you know, paint or no paint. Um, you can use, if you like hardwood, you could use engineered hardwood, which is dimensionally stable. It's a floating floor, and it's not going to take a major flood, but it, you know, it can be used in that space. But you don't have to. I mean, let's talk about luxury vinyl plank or the rigid vinyl plank. Those are two options that are inexpensive, like we're talking, I don't know, 3 4 $5 a square foot. And they're super, super durable. And best of all, they're 100% waterproof. But what do you think about the patterns and colors? I mean, there's so many great looks and plank variations. So if you have a certain wood-style plank in mind, there is going to be one that matches that. But also there are looks that sort of feel like a, a marbly pattern or just sort of like a, a blend of colors or washes. Like there's really some interesting options out there. So depending on that look of your basement space or how you're using the basement space, you can find something that works. 
There's also tile is a great option, and you can get tile that looks like a wood floor. And I think that's a great choice for the basement as well. I mean, think about it. You'd throw an area rug on a hardwood floor anyhow. So you're kind of achieving that same look. You can add a couple of area rugs. You know that those, you know, God forbid there's a flood, that area rug might not fare so well, but the flooring sure as heck is. And then you can have those rugs to just give you some warmth, some coziness, some additional color. So I would take a look at some of those options. Yeah, and the the tile, the ceramic tile that's like a wood plank tile is incredibly strong, super durable. And I think that's a great suggestion. So you got options. They're all at different budget levels, but they're all going to be waterproof. So Mirabelle, Thanks so much for reaching out, and good luck with that project. Let us know how you do. Well, if you've ever thought wine cellars are just for a chosen few, they're not. More and more people are converting at-home spaces these days into functional and ambient storage for their reds and their whites and their bubblies and their blends. And Leslie has tips for doing just that in your space in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, any space in your home can be converted into a wine cellar, but an unfinished basement is best for a few reasons. First of all, to properly preserve wine, your storage space shouldn't be in the direct sunlight. you got to keep it dark. Now, unfinished basements also have built-in climate control. They keep cool, damp air in, and they keep that outside air out. The ideal temperature here for wine storage is 57 degrees Fahrenheit with 55 to 60% humidity temperatures that are easy to achieve in most underground spaces. Next, you want to add storage for your collection. So consider wine rack systems made of mahogany, which thrives in cool, damp environments, and it's not going to warp. You might even want to incorporate a tasting area with a countertop or tables and chairs. And finally, you're going to need light to see your way around, but also to add that perfect wine cellar ambiance. And LED lighting is ideal because neither emits additional heat. And stylish recessed lights can help you shed light literally on your most prized vintages and labels. And best of all, you're going to have a great place to hang out with the ladies or the guys or whatever it is and have a beautiful wine party, which is great for the winter season. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, winter heating costs are also good at sending a chill down your spine, even when your house is warm. So we're going to share some tips for spending less on heat without giving up comfort on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.